0: how do you add personality to your brand message and what is a brand message and how valuable is it to get that right my spotlight guest on this episode is megan downs and megan is a copywriter who does exactly that So, I've got a few questions that I want to put to her that I hope will help you get better at doing that. She's going to share five ways that we can add personality to our brand message. Welcome to Divided by Brand, the podcast aimed at entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers. If you want to learn from industry experts and you want to listen to advice about how to feel more confident with your brand, then this is the show for you. Join me as I interview inspirational individuals at different stages in their business journey. My name is Dan O'Cock, I'm your host and I'm a brand identity specialist with over 20 years experience. (music) If you're interested to know if your own brand has all of the key ingredients to attract higher value clients, I've created a scorecard that will help you do just that. It'll uncover if you're able to attract the right value clients and if your brand matches your ambition. The scorecard can be found by clicking the links button in the player. Yeah, the player that you're listening on. Just click the links button and you'll get redirected straight to my scorecard very quick it's incredibly simple to use but most of all it should deliver you some value straight to your inbox with your own customized report which will have marked you across six core areas of branding and i know you'll agree that is quite long enough for a podcast intro should we just start the show now Welcome to the show, Megan. Now, I've just introduced you, which you won't have heard, but I have sort of pre-recorded a little introduction that sets the scene for the episode and, and sort of says who you are. But thank you for coming on. It's really, really great to get you on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: Perfect. Now, what I do to get the ball rolling and have and start the conversation is I love to hear from guests um, three wins, from the last couple of weeks. What has been going right for you? What's been going well?
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: anything.
1: Anything. So three was okay. So I'm going to do a couple of work ones and a personal one. Personal yeah. one. Um, I caught up with some friends and family this weekend. So that was just really nice to catch up with people. Um, did a big move from Sheffield as you know down up to Scotland so it was the first time I'd seen a lot of people since the summer time so that was a good win personally (laughs) nice business wise got to be coming on here and um talking to you that's a great win i'm looking forward to it and um in preparation for that as well i've been getting a few of my uh, marketing bits and bobs in the background ready and that's giving me a little bit of a push so it's nice to have some of those things that have been on my to-do list just done
0: yeah what a, i think what a good set of wins it's nice to hear a little personal ones popping in there but at the same time um business tasks and things that you can chalk off and say done and i'm pleased that i've the the podcast um guest spot has sort of ushered you into getting a few things done um is this your first chance to be on a podcast have you been on any shows before i
1: have been on one it was um not Long after i just started actually, um, I'd been going a little while part-time and I think it was in within my first month of going full-time as a copywriter, um, I got invited on to another podcast and it was all about um, kind of demystifying what actually happens day to day in different industries. So that was quite interesting, but I bet things have probably changed since then. So yes, my um, first one this year, which is great. <laughs>
0: Nice. Cool. Now that's really good to hear. I always like to find out what people, because you tend to find when you've interviewed a lot of different people, um, sometimes if they've been on a lot of shows, they have a script and they kind of not become like a robot, but they tend to know what to expect and churn out the same replies time and time again for all the different shows. They, I think it's a bit like when the when a musician goes on tour and they just go on to all these different podcasts saying the same thing, and you can tell. when you Yeah, they
1: go on autopilot. <laughs> yeah,
0: so it's nice that we've got someone who's kind of new and, and going to tell us, give us some content that's fresh, which is what I always like. Now I'm going to introduce, I'm going to kind of build up to what this episode is all about. Um, the episode, of course, i focused mainly around personality and bringing personality to brand messaging, but messaging in the written form for your brand. And we'll come on to that. But what I'm quite keen to do is set the in a little bit for people and find out, I you know, when they go to your website, which we'll put a link in the show notes too, that you were an artist and then you kind of turned to copywriting. And I kind of want to go back to that moment those times where you decided I'm not going to do this artist thing um, <laughs> and just ask what what made you decide to go into copyright and then you know what were you as an artist beforehand tell us a little bit about how you've arrived at what you do now.
1: Yeah, sure. So it was definitely the definition of a wobbly career path. Um, I've always loved being creative, doing anything creative and reading, writing as part of that as well. Um, But I kind of went to uni and did a mixed craft course uh, called Decorative Arts, that was at Nottingham Trent, basically had fun playing with lots of different things whilst I was there, um, specialised in ceramics. So when I graduated in 2015, which is seven years ago now, so it's Crikey. been a while, um, I then kind of left uni. We'd actually done a um, business plan. Part of my course, you could choose either a business plan instead of a dissertation right. uh, if you wanted. So I think that kind of gave me that little hint of running a business and and it did sort of give me some ideas about how to do that. But then I, I, um, yeah, I left uni and hit the real world um, and was like, what the hell do I do with my life? Um, so I applied for a program that was a ceramic starter studio program in Sheffield, um, originally from the Midlands. So I was like, yep, don't know anyone. Let's move to Sheffield. Let's, let's, Mm -hmm. um, so in the first stages, you know, I was thrown in the deep end running my own creative business. I just, I learned so much and had to figure out so much, Mm -hmm. um, marketing and communication. That was a big, big part of it. I really had to figure out how to talk to different people, both in person and online and through email. So, um, I think, I didn't realise it at the time, but I was doing a lot of content and copywriting already. Um, I also did things like like, um, I crowdfunded for a kiln for some equipment. I did talks and workshops and took on commissions. So I really literally threw myself in the deep end and, and took on any opportunity that I could as an artist, as a ceramic artist. And I did love it. It was great. But then it kind of hit home after a few years of running on like pure adrenaline and hope. <laughs> I kind of cracked <laughs> and burned and hit really bad burnout a few years into it. I stopped enjoying the making. Right. And the pressure of selling kind of overtook everything else. <laughs> so um,
0: I can relate to that. I did. There was a time before I did specialise in brand and brand identity where I um, created art, and I still do create art, but back then, and I'm going back. Um, probably similar to you, I probably go back six or seven years, maybe a bit more, um, and I started drawing digital art. Mm. And I realised that if I wanted to make a living at it, it felt like it would become more of a chore than an enjoyment. Yes. And I was like, I was like, I, I, I like, I love drawing. I'm just gonna keep it for my own little thing, not my livelihood, if that makes sense.
1: Definitely, yeah. I think, so I was, I almost didn't wanna give up cause I was still hanging on to the idea that it was the dream to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it actually wasn't the, the, you know, the dream wasn't the reality. And although I enjoyed it and I would, I would never change what I did it, cause it did teach me so much. I just realized there was just one day where I was just like, no, this isn't the career for me. It's great. And I want to do this for me. So similar to you, Dan, I want, you know, I I stopped wanting to try and make money from it and and try and make a living. So when I got to that point, I was pretty exhausted. I'd been doing like months and months of crazy hours and not really stopping living on beans and toast and biscuits. And, not uh, a
0: bad not a bad thing but not really good for your health not I guess. very good
1: for me but I did I didn't stop so you know luckily I didn't I didn't uh, gain weight from it because I think I needed the calories to literally <laughs> keep myself going but you no know, it so, wasn't a healthy life <laughs>
0: so how do you go from making ceramic pottery to copywriting is that something that's been self-taught um what what made you go right I'm gonna I'm gonna do more of this
1: so again, it was another, there was another step in in that. So after the artist uh, realization, I, I needed a change. Um, I applied for an office-based job. Um, mm-hmm. I'd been working weekends as well. So I wanted a nine to five. I wanted that kind of normal job, um, just to just to completely change what I was doing. And then what I was doing in the evenings was still doing the, the pottery for fun. You're
0: probably just catching your breath at that stage more than anything.
1: Yeah, and like the financial security of just knowing I had a paycheck was just what I needed then. But then a few months into the job that started out very admin-based, it was quite a small um, B2B office. So um, luckily they were very open for me to just be like, hey, can we do this thing? And trying lots of different things out. Um so I kind of built myself a little bit of a business development and marketing role within the company and um did lots of things that were transferred from my business. So I I went um to a trade show. So I started doing um the marketing and preparation for trade shows, brochures, um social media website I have worked with a designer to redo their company website. So I'd really been doing a lot of the things that that then from my own business I could change the environment because it was a B2B business and I actually had someone that could sign a budget off <laughs> yeah. and kind of doing it all myself um so, but then it kind of taught me a lot about communicating with a different audience very different audience um, and
0: you were learning on the go here i mean this is a this is a proper yeah. this is a business that was you know performing pretty well and you had this carte blanche to to experiment with stuff so to speak but um
1: really great sort of um springboard i think for me um and i did lots of things and i enjoyed it um but from then the pandemic hit and i was a few years into the job i'd kind of already been feeling a little bit like i'd reached my ceiling but didn't really know what i wanted to do and and where to go from that so furlough kind of forced my hand really i got put on uh, furlough during the covid pandemic okay
0: well you've beat me to the next question anyway which was the world the world's pretty crazy at the minute but how have the last two two years changed what you do so you know you were going into it there tell us what's changed in the last couple of years for you
1: yeah so i went from a full-time office job um and then april 2020 got put on furlough uh, a few months in, I'd kind of done my garden up and done some paintings in my spare room and just done a few sort of things. The
0: biggest question is, did you buy a Peloton?
1: <laughs> no, definitely oh,
0: not. <laughs>
1: we were digging out our back garden, so that kept me fit. <laughs> All right,
0: good um, to hear.
1: No, it was an accidental thing, actually, a few months into my furlough period. Um, my mum actually runs her own business and said, she called me up one day, said, can you help me with some things? Um She'd started a few different content-based projects and she wanted some case studies, she wanted some help with a website. She had quite a few things she wanted to do. And she said, you know, whilst you're not going back to work just yet, do you want to just help me out a little bit? Um so I started and it really just lit that fire in me. I was like, yes, this what like I've missed this. I've missed the feeling of work. I've missed the feeling of getting my teeth stuck into something. And um it kind of went from there really. Um and I started to take on a few more marketing related roles. Um so the first couple of months was very unintentional, just took the opportunities that came my way. And then after that, a few months after that, I got asked to go back to my old job full time. And by then, I'd kind of decided I didn't want to. Um, I was enjoying what I was doing and I could see the future.
0: And that was that?
1: Yes, I actually did part time for a while. Luckily, my old job was really supportive of me. And I always kind of feel quite grateful that I was able to stagger that Mm leap really so I did about six months of part-time work to then build up my freelance business
0: that's really really not lucky but look, well it is lucky in the sense of um, you were able to do that because I know I, I was kind of almost pushed but it was really good in hindsight but at the time you just if you've got that little bit of a, like a, a it is a comfort blanket you can ease into it much easier and kind of not panic
1: yeah, I think it gave me that headspace to figure out what exactly I wanted to do because, as I said at the beginning, it was it was quite general. I was basically doing marketing support, a bit of social media, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I think that time allowed me to think which parts I really enjoyed and not just panic and take anything yeah. that came my way. So it, it helped me set that little um, kind of... Structure idea before I fully went, went for it. I gave, you know, I had the opportunity to um, figure out a few things that I did like and didn't like. That's awesome to
0: hear. And I think, I mean, if anyone's listening and they're, they're kind of considering that leap from working full time to freelance, I think there's a lot to read into that. And sometimes having, depending on who you work for, having the right conversation, um, can lead to a, a you know a world of different opportunities. Um, just yeah. have that have that chat, and you know, if you if you're considering it, and you never know what's around the next corner, do you? So, I think that's really really set the scene perfectly for what where we want to go now, where you where you are now with your business, and um, I want to move the topic now onto the the uh, the thing that we want to focus on for this episode, which is more around this area that you specialize in which is is really brand messaging and copywriting and your speciality if i quote you off your uh, bio or your website your speciality capturing a brand's personality to craft their messaging tailored to attract ideal clients so that's what that's what you do now I just, I mean, the, the bluntest way to ask this question is what when you talk about brand me- brand messaging, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, so it's quite a broad topic, obviously. Um, anything that a company puts out there, it could be considered as brand messaging. But when I when I talk about it, I kind of mean the. The overarching way that people are communicating with their customers Mm -hmm. and making sure that that is reflective of who they are as a company in terms of their values and their goals, but also tailored to the customers that they are targeting in a way that's um, obviously right for the offer that they're offering. So it's kind of making sure that all the parts work together then be consistent as well. So if you've got somebody who on their website has one message and then on their social media um, or their emails, they're saying something different or they're getting a different service, um, the customers are getting a different service, then that really throws off the customer like, who are these people? Like, why Why should I trust them? It kind of, it's making sure that your messaging builds trust and clear communication. Mm. That's that's the, the main meat of it really. And the details kind of come afterwards.
0: Yeah, because messaging, when we talk about brand in the broadest term, it's that, um, it's the influence of a brand all different levels. So, messaging and copywriting is one part of a brand's influence. Mm-hmm. But if you get that wrong, it affects the entire brand. Yeah. So you don't, you know, you don't hear McDonald's or well, let's say someone like Apple. That's probably one of the everyone goes to Apple as an example brand. But the way that they Right, the way that they present messaging is so well known that you probably wouldn't need any creative necessarily alongside some of their wording because of how they do it. Um, and I think for me that's what you're getting at that when you're tackling a brand and it's messaging, it's making sure that it is harmonious or in sync with that brand's audience whoever they may be is that fair
1: yeah definitely and uh, just yeah making sure it all works together um as a whole
0: yeah now i've got a question off the back of that so what is the most common brand messaging mistakes that you see daily so clients are arriving on your doorstep quite often um What are they up against? What stuff do you see that's done badly? Or what do you see that needs improving on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis?
1: Oh, this could be a long list. I'll try and keep it from you. I think there's a couple that really stand out to me. And the first one would be that companies, businesses, they're saying the same things as their competitors. They're not saying anything different. And then they're not, so that then kind of harms their positioning. Mm-hmm. Because instead of them just being seen as an expert, seen as an authority in their industry, it's they're just another one. They're a throwaway brand. And I think that's a big mistake. And it, um, There's an exercise that's quite an interesting one to try. And it's take away your brand name from your messaging and if you can remove that and add in a competitor's name then and it still makes sense then you've done it wrong because you should be saying something that's unique to you you should be saying something that is your brand yeah so that's what, quite a good what's one
0: the, what's the quote by oscar wilde Is it um be yourself because everybody else has taken is that the right yeah. quote
1: Definitely. Yeah. So I think that kind of that point draws into the reason why I love to focus on brand personality and how to get that across, because there are so many people out there and it's the, the hardest part is to try and make yourself different from the other people. Mm. But people are different from other people. They just haven't got the knowledge or insight to always explain that so i think that's something that is like if you can draw that out of somebody it's usually there you know there are there are a few brands that you, you'd probably get to the bottom of it and they have just there's not much different to them but most brands and most companies are set up for some sort of purpose or some reason or they've got an own their own story that does make them unique and it is there it's just getting to it that's the hard part sometimes <sighs>
0: Tell me about it. That's exactly what, that's exactly what I do um, week in, week out. It's understanding what that, what that is and, and being able to, I guess, not tear it out, but tease it out of the, of the founders um, themselves, put it into words, but for me as well is visualizing it. So where you write or are able to, to help that brand communicate um, I, I I visually bring it to life in a way that reflects them individually um, yeah. across a range of different media. Whether it is, whether it is an advert, whether it's um, you know a website that it visually reflects, and that's where that's when we get into the whole brand visual yeah. identity and, and and their kind of logos and style, but. Um, well, I think that was, So, yeah, common brand mis- mistakes that you see. So copying your competitors. Is there any others that you kind of want to put... You want to put another one in there yeah,
1: that look, always crops up? One that um, I, know, <laughs> I know most copywriters um, will agree with me here. There are a lot of companies that like to throw the word like synergy and solutions and cutting edge and level up and things like that that don't really mean anything. Um, yeah like try and avoid that completely (laughs) because if you have high-class business solutions like doesn't everybody else like (laughs) yeah what does that really mean so it's it's bringing that back people like to use these buzzwords and jargon phrases that make them I think they think they sound really professional and it just almost does the opposite because there's no real context behind it Mm that's that's a big um, a big problem that I think sometimes can cause um, some people are a bit hesitant because they think that that's what they need to be saying so sometimes it's making people understand that that's not necessarily a good thing
0: yeah and it can I mean it, it just when you are digesting web pages or content, day on day, day in, day out, and you read the same stuff people just turn off. They're like, yeah, I read it before and they go off somewhere else. And then you get a brand that comes along. I'm, I'm going to pick on something like Patagonia, which cropped up as a boldest brand a couple of episodes ago, but mm. the content that they put out is perfect. You know, and it kind of stops you in its tracks and you go, hang on what? And then you read it and then, you yeah. know. So not spending the time i guess it's lazy is what i think i'm saying if you're not spending the time to refine your brand messaging and content and you're just good well yeah let's put that word in that's yeah that sounds cool <laughs> then you're letting yourself and the business down i think is what i'm trying to get across do you get that impression as well
1: yeah definitely definitely yeah
0: well look i think there's a yeah, we could, we could do a whole episode around I'll no, not fire um, any
1: more at you this time. <laughs> yeah, well, we could
0: do. I mean, but I think we've got other stuff that we want to spin out. But I just, you know, those are kind of common pitfalls. And I actually see them through creative as well. So people will rock up and they'll have logos that they're not happy with because they probably didn't pay very much or they just copied a competitors and kind of span it off a little bit differently or, you know, mm-hmm. taglines or mottos that. You know, don't set them apart uh, as individuals. So I see it. We see those kind of things as a designer involved in brand identity as well. Um, I'd like to push on into some positive stuff and kind of focus now on really this whole concept of I think personality and brand messaging, um, and so. When it comes to adding personality to brand messaging, where should I start? What do you do to help someone add personality or find that personality?
1: So when I'm working with a client, it always starts with a conversation that by the end of it, I feel like I've interrogated them (laughs) in the nicest possible way. Mm -hmm. Um, It's asking just lots and lots of questions and really figuring out who who they are as a person and as a business. Obviously, it's different if it's um, owner-managed or if it's a, a team, um, but really working out who they are as a business and as a person, if that's relevant. Um, finding out what's important and where they want to get to as well as just where they are now. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's it's a big it's a big process that kind of takes a while to figure out, but I've got a set of questions that I like to ask my clients when I'm onboarding anybody. Yeah. By the end of that, I always have a really good feel for them. Um, like I said, it is, it is different if you've got lots of team members or a bigger company because that then you need multiple conversations to get that across. Um, but yeah, that's where I start. Um, If you're not working with a copywriter or anyone for your brand messaging, I suppose it's asking those questions internally. Mm. What is important to you? Where do you want to go to? What are your goals? And what kind of what's your purpose really as a company? They're They're quite big questions, but you need to answer them.
0: So are we getting into some of these five ways to do this? Because I've got a couple of things that I want to ask, but are they part of these um, five things that you've got lined up or are we going to cover those in?
1: The five things that I've um, written down as tips are they're more um, easy to action and move on than completely going through your whole messaging because that is quite an overwhelming big topic. Um, So there are some things that I want to just go through that you can change on your website and you can change without a full, full overhaul that will add that layer of personality in there that then over time you can, you can work on that. Um, And it's just, it's just things that might be overlooked. So it's, it's those easy changes that you can go away and do, and then you can work on over time.
0: That's perfect. Well, I think that's an excellent segue for us to start talking about it because I don't want them to be read read out like a list. I wanna kind of do them one by one. Um, Maybe I'll ask a couple of questions around each one as we go through, but these are really five tips. Is that the best way to describe them? Five tips to add personality to your brand message. Is that the best way to introduce them?
1: Yeah, definitely. And these are things that you will either have or you can easily implement on your website.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's hear number one and then we'll have a little chat around that. What's the first thing? What's your first tip?
1: So the first tip is to look at all the microcopy on your website. So that's the small little details that's quite often overlooked.
0: Mm, Um, Microcopy, I like that term.
1: Yeah, so things like your terms and conditions section, your cookie notices, those little sections, but also if you have um, call to action buttons, or if you have um, links to things, it's the small text that you might put underneath those parts, or also the small text you might put underneath a header, just to add that extra layer of detail. Um, But they're quite often... Instructional as well. So, if it's, for example, a sign in page, uh, sign up page rather for an email, there's usually microcopy on there that you probably have just left as the filler text. So, it's all those little details that can go throughout your website that instead of just leaving what the filler text is there, actually going through and, and making them more fun and interesting.
0: So, are we talked about buttons that would probably have click here or enter written on them?
1: Yeah, but also um, if you have an error message that pops up, so if you've signed in and I've got an example here and it's, it's um, a MailChimp page and it's when you're starting to um, open up an account mm-hmm. and there's a username but if you've typed in a username that somebody's already got, so an example of microcopy is underneath the box where it's flashed up red because you can't do that. There's something wrong. And it says another username with this username already exists. Maybe it's your evil twin, Spooky. Ah. It's those little things. Instead of just saying error, Mm Add in those extra little things that can be just fun and interactive and and just put a smile on people's face.
0: What an awesome tip because I know MailChimp as a brand and... That's on point because it's a little bit fun and lighthearted and um, that's generally how they come across, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and another example is um, when you're signing up for a free trial for something, a great way to use microcopy is either underneath the button that they sign up for or underneath the main um, offer, telling them what will happen after they sign up And tell them whether they need their credit card details or not, because that can be a big hesitation that some people go, actually, I don't want to sign up for a free trial. I'm going to completely forget to unsubscribe. I'm not going to want to pay it. So if you say something like no credit card needed, you're more likely going to get that free trial to go through. Um, But also you can add in another fun little phrase. You can say, you know, we won't we won't hold you to this or if you don't like it, you can leave. Just something that's more yeah. the, than the basic kind of boring phrase that you could put in there.
0: The standard default messaging. And then you said buttons as well. And I think that was actually quite a good UX point to bring copy in at because buttons are often overlooked or they can be. Well, point actually Dan oh is it well I'll, I'll beat you to it then come <laughs> on then let's let's go on to point two so number one uh, microcopy the attention of li- little bits of copy that you perhaps haven't thought about but that can have the biggest impact when people read them because they, they smile or they go oh that's kind of quaint so microcopy get that right is kind of tip number one yeah
1: yeah, and just just look and just check you're not just using the standard one. So that's a good a good way to start.
0: Perfect. Come on then, let's have tip two because we don't know what that's going to be about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I tried not to mention it when I was talking about microcopy, but I did give it away. So my second tip is to um, change your call to actions. Cool. So Any button or any link that has uh, any text that has a link would be considered a call to action when I'm talking about this. So. You get the standard ones, buy, contact, get in touch, sign up, read more. You know, Mm -hmm. fine but boring. But they don't really persuade. They don't tell your reader why they should actually do that action. So when thinking about your call to actions, think about how will taking that next step improve their life? What would they actually get if they get in touch with you? And really what's in it for them and actually putting that on your button and making that the call to action in itself. Yeah. So obviously, addressing why, why your customer should care about what you're asking them to do.
0: And, and I think, but I'm, don't hold me to this. Um, when you are more creative and personal with that wording, I think it benefits um, from an SEO point of view as well
1: yeah definitely so if you have things like read more that that doesn't if it's an anchor text for example or a button because you're not telling you're not telling anybody where that goes to so if you say read more about and the topic even that is better because you're actually matching up the phrases that the next page is linked to with your call to action so yes you're exactly right It, it does help with seo as well
0: And I think that this tip along with that first tip allows and coming back to the whole topic here of personality, the words that you decide to put in those call to actions or that microcopy can really help shape in a subtle way that personality, right? Definitely. And I think when it comes to personality with copy, we're talking like that tone of voice, don't we? So um, if you haven't established a tone of voice, um, you need to get that right first, and then that can be reflected through a copywriter. They can write in that tone and bring that personality, if you haven't already got it, out through some of these ways through your content and your copy. So... Call to actions, digital call to actions, but I guess also even advertising call to actions, so not just a button. Would that be taking that tip too far?
1: No, definitely not taking it too far. Um, I've focused these tips based on websites just so that I didn't talk your ear off for hours and hours but yeah definitely you can transfer that to anything I think any call to action any social media as well for example if you're sharing a LinkedIn post or an Instagram post it's it's thinking about getting the reader to do something next Mm -hmm. but doing it in a fun way that also um like you said represents your brand tone of voice and tells them what to expect persuades them to do that rather than buy this thing
0: so I, don't, I, I actually do not know what the next point is, but I was going to ask, what do you tell brands that don't have a tone of voice? And obviously you get brands that rock up and say, well, I just want some copywriting, which a lot of us do. How do you approach or, or, or tell them, well, what is your tone? What, what do you do in that instance where they don't really have any of that personality stuff worked out? Do you work with them on that?
1: Yeah, so um, something I've realised over the last year is how few people do have anything um, already to do with their tone of or brand messaging. And um, that's part of the reason I'm actually changing my business to focus on delivering that as well. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I can work with people that if they want a new website, for example, and they haven't had any of that before, we build that in to the website. And the similar process that I described earlier with the questionnaire, trying to figure out who they are and what they're wanting to achieve. And that naturally does draw into the writing. Mm. But then the problem that you faced with is if you've hired a copywriter to do your website, what happens next when you need something else? What happens when your business changes? So if you add a new service and some people don't have the budget to hire a copywriter for every single thing they need to do, but some people also have in-team um, marketing team, in-house, sorry, marketing teams yeah. that they might have in the future. And it's how do you actually translate that from the done-for-you writing that you're happy with, but then it's what what's next? How do you actually keep that consistent? So, mm-hmm. Yes, and consistency
0: is key. It's one of my um, six pillars Um, when it comes to design. It is being consistent because if you
1: not start, there there are people that do just want that thing done, and and that's fine. But I'm I'm trying to now just have that discussion at the starting point to see because if their if their business goal is to grow a team and hire somebody in house next year, it, it would really make sense. Rather than investing just in this one project that might need to then be redone again in the future, or doesn't, like you say, be consistent, it's working out what their brand messaging is first, because that yeah. is going to carry them through however many years and it means they can then reflect who they are consistently. Yeah. So it's just having that discussion and working out whether people are willing to. Do that process, because it is a process and it is something that's an investment in time as well as money. But, yeah, it's... it's
0: It sets them up for the future and, and it comes yeah. down to ambition. It comes down to, I think, people getting a better grasp on the value of brand, which I think is happening and has happened over the last few years. People are now realising that, that there's a real value to investing in a brand and having it work as early as possible. Yeah. for them um and i'm not talking about tens of thousands of pounds spent on brand but just the fundamentals just some basics you know and understanding and putting a few simple principles in place from day one that will serve you up to an up to your next stepping stone if you like and yeah. then reevaluating. but yeah so we've done two points there and I'm interested. Did I mention the third? Have I, have I inadvertently yeah. spoilt number three?
1: No, we've done well this time.
0: <laughs> Come on then, what's the third tip?
1: Okay, so sounds a bit daft, but stop weeing on everyone. Stop
0: um, weeing on everyone.
1: <laughs> so it's about speaking to the reader. So stop saying the word we do this, we do that in every sentence on your mm-hmm. website. This is another, it's another mistake Um like we were talking about mistakes earlier, it's what is a common one. So I've tried to spin it into a positive thing that you can go away and do. So instead of saying, oh, look at us, we're experts in this and aren't we best, you know, aren't we the best option for you? Because our team is fantastic. It's yeah. a little bit like you just blowing your own trumpet and it comes back to why should the reader care? Like, Yeah. They want to know what's in it for them. So avoid using we too much, hence, stop weing on everybody. I love that. Um, So rephrasing that sentence that's got we in it to speak to the reader. So swap out the we's to the you. So it could be from, oh, we're an award winning design agency with over 15 years of experience. Okay. Cool, but and tell me what I'm gonna get from that. So you could say
0: if you, you work first,
1: you, grow, you can grow your business with professional design that sets you apart. Yeah. So it's it's changing the wheezed for the use, it's rephrasing those it's the same idea and the same kind of context behind it, but it equi- it instantly makes it more conversational and it instantly yeah. makes the reader the key part of that and it tells them what they get from working with you or buying from you or whatever it is that they're looking for
0: this is my favorite one so far Megan and I because we see it so often and I do the, the we are and I just when I'm reading something I just want to know what a it means to me and what I'm going to get out of it um yeah it's too, it too. is big-headed now when people start talking in that wee notion. Just like that was a really good way for you to give an example of how we can just turn it around and say that, that it's more about talking. I always try and imagine that I'm talking to a person, that client face-to-face. So not try... I, I don't know if it's a personal thing, but I hate... I don't like to be... I don't talk me, me, me in a conversation. I'm always aware of it. And so I feel like when you do that in written form, I kind of, you just stop yourself and go, hang on a minute. All I'm doing is talking about myself. Let's
1: turn it around. Some people just tend to like default to that when they're writing something. Mm. And this is part of the reason why... I like to talk about these easy tips because it's something that someone might not have thought about. Just literally changing the word we to you and and reframing the sentence can make such a difference. But they're stuck in that mindset of, we've got to be professional, we've got to come across well. And then they automatically default to the, we do this and we do that. And it just, like you say, you would not have a conversation like that. No. (laughs) But when you come to write it, there's a lot of people that just They don't know how else to do it, Mm -hmm. so yeah. I think if you if you can just change the W's to the U's, it just it helps to show your personality because it does come across more conversational automatically, and it helps you to build a trusted relationship, which in turn will help you to sell more to the right people.
0: And I think when you mentioned that personality again, this is actually a really good area to inject the most personality because it's not just it's not microcopy where it's a few words or a call to action again where there's not very many words. But if you've just talked in the we sense, is that even the right term the we sense? I don't know. <laughs> if you say if you're saying we are an agency with 20 years experience, there's quite a chunk of text there that you can turn it around and put some proper thought into the personality So what does 20 years experience actually allow you to bring to the table? Um, What does that mean for your client in this sentence? It's that first point, isn't it? Where really you as a copywriter, I guess, you can start to bring proper tone and feeling and emotion into things and set people out from the crowd. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, definitely. So like i said at the beginning these are actionable things that you can do because you can almost still keep the the general gist of what you're saying but by changing we's to the use it will just make everything better and it will it will make even if you don't have a full overhaul of everything that you you've got um on your website or wherever it is that that you're looking at this messaging it will make a big difference and it it shouldn't take that long to make those changes
0: Absolutely. Awesome tip, my favourite so far. Number four, then.
1: Yes, We've got is. five,
0: haven't we? We've definitely got five.
1: Yes, definitely five. Cool. So number four is to think about rhythm. So the best way to think about rhythm is varying sentence lengths and paragraphs. people again these points are all based on things that generally you see people doing wrong um one of the the biggest um errors that puts people off reading is if they see a massive block of text Mm. and they just go no (laughs) i cannot be bothered to work out what's in there and even if you have the exact same message but you break that up into either shorter sentences or shorter paragraphs with white space around it too, so it's a readability thing as well. Um, that that will make people go, okay, uh, yeah, this is easy to achieve. I can I can read that. That that's fine. And to take that one step further, you can if you have a mixture of different sentence lengths. So don't just use the same length of sentence all the time because it gets boring reading it have a few shorter ones have some longer ones that can yeah. make a difference even if it's the same piece of text but wherever you've got an and try putting a full stop in and starting a new sentence because it just gives that reader a little bit of a break mm-hmm. and the choppy sentences can really emphasize certain points
0: and i think choose them choose the right moment to put your big chunks of text because I think a lot of people and I'll refer to websites because that's generally where we're focusing here people people are so keen to talk straight off the bat they just like I've seen websites where it's just masses of text right at yes. the top introduction hi we're da-da-da, from da and we live in we've done and I like it's just don't just don't loads of text there let me just have a little thing a little intro or something that says who you are what you do you can tell if i want to learn about you i will delve into your website and find out more like pick your moments to yeah. put those big chunks i
1: Definitely. think yeah but also with that if if you consider what your tone of voice is if you're a very bold to the point brand you're going to want to use stronger shorter sentences mm-hmm. if you're maybe you've got a little bit of whimsy about you like Oakley is a good example they use, okay. really, they use really long sentences and um, it works for them because it's who as a brand it represents them but, but then it's about testing these things so It needs to match your personality so there are ways to add rhythm by literally just testing chopping some sentences down doing the same with your paragraphs but then ultimately it does come down to who you are as a brand and what your personality is um i've got a couple of examples in in one of the links that i'll Um, share with people afterwards to explain that a bit better because it's sometimes I'm not going to read out a whole paragraph of OLES because it'll take a time. (laughs) Um, And that's
0: a good point to mention there, actually Megan because if anyone's listening these five tips Megan's put together um, a downloadable PDF we'll mention this at the end as well but just to drop that in now If you want to look at these, we've got a link in the show notes and you'll go to Megan's website and you'll be able to get access to all of these written uh, down in terms of reference. Is that right, Megan?
1: Yes, definitely. So the rhythm, um, there's a good example. Again, I'm not going to read it all out, but it's um, by a guy called Gary Provost. I think I've said that right. And the title of it is This Sentence Has Five Words. And within the graphic that's in the download, you can Google it as well. Um, it's it's basically showing you how a varying sentence length can not just change the feel of it, but create, uh, it says, don't just write words, write music. So it's all about how things sound and how things read. And I think it's a really interesting example to just, before you go away and make these changes, just read that and, and consider how that can be translated to your
0: own copy I love it Yeah, that's another really really good tip but one where I think you can do it yourself uh, it's a little bit more difficult if you're not comfortable with writing I think with tip four you could probably have a go at it but I think that's where you're getting into that grounds of probably wanting to speak to someone like you to get a little bit of help because to, to most people rhythm in words is like what we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I, the, I, I, I get what yeah. you mean.
1: Yeah, the examples um, on the download are a really good example because you can read it and you can feel it yourself and then see how that might be applied. But yeah, you, all of these points are absolutely right. People can do them, but they might just, it might be yeah. too much. So it's, I've tried to so do
0: Detailed
1: yeah. but actionable but again some people might just be like no that is too much
0: Perfect. <laughs> yeah, but no I think if you are listening to this and thinking what the heck go and download the PDF and then you'll get a better idea but um, I like that tip as well so we're on to number five the last tip on this particular set, but I think you could probably do 500 listening to what... um,
1: Yeah, I had to really whittle these down.
0: (laughs) I I like that it forces your hand. So tell us what tip number five is then, Megan.
1: Tip number five is to answer your customer objections up front.
0: Okay. Answer objections.
1: Yeah, so this leads to personality because the way that you handle common personality, uh, sorry, common hesitations and common objections, it shows your personality by the way you actually address these. So if you have a, a question that people always ask you, or you have something that you're repeating yourself over and over again, it points to something that you could be doing better in your messaging. And by telling people up front what these things are, they're going to trust you more because they feel like they've got more information. But Also, if you have something that's like, actually, we don't really know this thing because we can't give you a straight answer by explaining that in your content or somewhere on your website, whether it's a a service page or a, a blog post about things. So a good example is how much does this cost? Some people will be a little bit shy to address these things so upfront, but if you give your customer the power to read these things and it could say, actually, it changes this by this factor or this factor, or we can't give you this def- definite answer because it just really helps to put them at ease because they know what to expect. Yeah,
0: and it paints you in a good light in terms of that you're not hiding anything. Are you exactly. Not? And
1: you're not you trying
0: have- to swindle people.
1: No, and if you have something that you've done where you've either made a mistake or you could also use this to kind of poke fun at common um, industry problems. Yeah, okay. So a good one, um, I've included this in the download, but for actually for a different point, but I could have included it for the same, for the objections, but Monzo Bank, they poke fun at other banks in their messaging. They basically say you'll be able to get hold of us and the money is in your hands, you've got the control. So it's answering a common objection within that industry that's, God, isn't it hard to get hold of customer service when you need when you need the banks, they're not there for you. When you need to yeah. access things, it's that common enemy. Yeah. It, it
0: makes people relate to it and what it does, doesn't it? You're able to sort of, to, I guess, get that extra connection yeah, with with the audience there.
1: Yeah, so an example because um, it's always easy when you've got an example to to um, explain. So I found this fun one from Skittles.
0: Okay, um, as in the chewy sweets, as yeah. In
1: sweets, yeah, the ones that make you super hyper and your tongue funny colours. Yeah, <laughs> um, they they took away the lime flavoured Skittles. This obviously caused some outrage in the Skittle community. (laughs) And um, on their website, they've actually put um, a big banner saying, drum roll, the original lime up, because it's lime flavor. And they say, we're making amends. Lime is back. Sorry, we took it away. We made a mistake, a big mistake. And now we're righting the wrong. So I really like this as a way of answering objections because they've admitted a mistake, but they've done it in a fun way that is so in line with their brand. That they're they're literally putting out an apology, but they're making it a thing. They're making it fun. And then it's it's a talking point, but it also makes you think, yeah, they've listened to us. It makes you feel like the brand is actually there to serve you in some way. And I think that's, that's a really good example.
0: Yeah, like they get me. But here's the thing. Why would they... This is completely off topic, but why did they take the lime flavour out? Does anybody know the answer to
1: that I question? didn't actually <laughs> dig into that too much, to be honest. I wasn't... I, I, just, I just saw this and found it interesting but i didn't
0: yeah i didn't dig into that i might have to I go like that. That. No, I, I think that's a good one and yeah answering those objections up front is is a good one to end on i think um, in terms of those tips but yeah i think that they are really fantastic i think they're very valuable tips and just the, those starting point of getting to grip with that thing that we referred to can't even get my words out as adding personality to your brand message and we've only really scratched the surface haven't we Megan in terms of messaging and brand and that's what this show's about it's just I guess giving people those insights into that brand world it's such a big thing and it is daunting to a lot of people but yeah. hopefully they'll have seen this episode title and now they've listened and heard these tips. If they want to learn more, they can go download those PDFs. Um, I've got links to your website that we're going to put in the show notes. I'll probably put your link tree one in there because obviously everything's on that. So we'll put a link tree um, link in there and then people can go and decide wherever they want to visit. Does that sound like a plan?
1: perfect yes um, and just to add sorry Dan. Um, yeah in terms of the, the topic it is a huge topic it is, there is so much you can do with it which is why I wanted to think about things that aren't overwhelming in themselves yes. if you take one or two of these points away and action them you'll be on the way to getting a better brand message with your personality and I think that's the thing It's it is a big thing so it's helping people hopefully to see things a bit differently and break it down
0: yeah, I, I agree. And I think you're wise to focus it on a website because generally the website is your first thing that you want to create that engages with your audience because it's there representing you or your business when you're not. So I think yes. it's a good um, place to start in terms of your copy. So I think that was a wise move mm-hmm. for those tips. Now I've got, I'm looking at the timer here. I want to close out the episode, but I've got two questions that I haven't managed to ask I like to ask for each guest. So the first question is, if you met yourself 10 years ago, what would you say to yourself? What bit of advice, what would you, you know, there's Megan 10 years ago sat on a potter's <laughs> wheel or whatever. What are you going to say to her?
1: Oh, so 10 years ago, i just started uni. I was 18, I oh. a baby and seriously my advice would be to invest your money and stop buying so many stupid clothes <laughs> it's, it's a really like sounds silly but I, I worked all the way through uni and as well as you know the, the grants that you get for living so I, I still worked every weekend and so I had plenty of money compared to some students at the time and I just spent it all and if I hadn't have left with such a debt in my overdraft, because i just spent all of my money, yeah, uh, yeah my whole life would have probably been easier afterwards. So yeah, it's, um, it's a very practical tip.
0: But. So you'd say, I'm Megan stop give me that card you're not going out to spend any more money
1: you don't need a new outfit every time you go out
0: <laughs> fair enough some yeah. practical financial advice maybe it's the world's um, financial crisis at the minute that's made you go for that one then i want to ask you i ask as guests to pick a boldest brand for each episode a brand that's that just does something for you or makes you feel passionate about it and um, to give us a little bit of an insight as to why so have you got a boldest brand that you want to share with us
1: yeah so i I knew that this would come up and because I've recently been doing a lot of research into different brands so that I have examples to share when people um, are reading these tips, I wanted to include one that wasn't actually in there and was a bit different. And I thought about a brand that I am a customer of because there's sometimes when you can say, oh, this brand's really cool. They're doing amazing things, but haven't actually experienced them. Mm. So I wanted to pick Beauty Pie. Um, so, for those that don't know, it's um, an online beauty skincare makeup brand. Um, but as a customer of them, they're great. They just they just get it. They just they're a membership based um, thing. So you buy a membership for a year, and the idea is they cut out the um, middleman, the retailer, so you can get luxury skincare, luxury makeup, but at a reduced cost compared to the big brands that are in. Um, shops like Boots, and Clarins, okay. those kind of things. So right. really good quality stuff. But I think the reason that they've really impressed me as a brand is they are very, very good on customer loyalty and making you feel seen and making you feel special. And I think that's something that's really important as a brand. And it's, it's across all of their communication, even in, down to the packaging that they send the products in. They have um, little inserts that tell you to share on Instagram and to, to share your experience. And it's just like they have quite uplifting messaging and it's all about just making yourself feel good. And I think as a brand that they they do that really well and they they send out regular emails. I think they do really well with their emails. Um, they keep it's you engaged. Imp-
0: yeah, it's important. And you, I think that the biggest thing that you said there was they understand you and that they make you, well, they just get you. I think, was that your term that you said? They, they get me. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I think, like, they get that it can be an overwhelming industry to go into and have thousands of products available. And the other thing that they do very well is they've got, on most of their products, they've got hundreds and hundreds of real customer reviews. So they've got their the copy that sells what the product is and why you should be using it, but they can go and read so many different people's actual reviews and thoughts on it. I think that just makes it feel a bit more accessible as well. So it's mm-hmm. they they're, again, they're answering objections within their brand of the beauty industry, it's overpriced. You don't really know what you're going to get, or what's going to work, or what you're going to enjoy using. And I think they do that well.
0: I love it, and I've gone on their website as you were talking, so I could get an idea. Um, and one of their lines of copy: the beauty of membership, superior quality at shocking value. Yeah. How how cool is that?
1: Yeah, and as a customer, you feel because you're like, oh, this this moisturizer is really nice but you're paying a fraction compared to some of the brands on the shop so it it makes you feel like you're getting that steal like Mm. i'm cheating the system
0: (laughs) and the other thing i'll I'll mention about that brand at first glance because i'm kind of a visual brand bod that when i look at it it actually looks visually nothing out of the ordinary Um, But when we talk about brand, of course, it's way bigger than just what you see on screen in terms of a logo or a font. And so you becoming, as I would call it, those brand advocates or champions of brand or whatever you want to call them. Just you explaining your experience of that brand to me has made me want to go and investigate that brand.
1: And yeah, that's that's what, exactly how I became a customer was because other people, because I was similar to you, I was looking. you oh, it doesn't look like anything special, but then yeah. hearing what other people's opinions mm-hmm. were. So that that's that's why I like them so much, I think.
0: And I think it's a great brand to showcase um, on Boldish Brand there because it, it, it summarises the depth at which brand can go to. So go check them out if you if you want a really good quality makeup, but you want it um, to feel like you're getting a bargain. But I think, I think that's a really interesting point um, to have made about brand there. Well, look, we have talked, and <laughs> yeah. my timer says, what well, am I on? One oh six, a whole hour and six minutes on brand, um, oh. personality and messaging. So what I'm going to I'm going to round it off. I'm going to close out there. And I just really want to say, Megan, that I found the topic fascinating because I love getting into uh, anything brand related, but it's been the tips were fantastic. And I think that you've shared some really good actionable ways that people can go away um, and start to have, start to work with their brand to give it some personality because we like brands with personality and then, and to, to sort of get out there and change stuff and make it more you is what brand is all about for me so i want to thank you for coming on the show
1: thanks for having me it's been great
0: no problem at all so here we are the end of another episode just like to say thank you very much for listening really does mean a lot if you've enjoyed the show please leave me a review love reading comments and feedback from listeners if you've been listening and think that you would like to find out if your brand has all of the key ingredients to make it stand out from the crowd don't forget to hit the links button in the player yes this player that you're listening on which will take you to my brand report And that will give you a customised report score of your brand straight to your inbox. If you'd like to find out more about myself, visit my website www.danielocock.com. Again, links are in the show notes. You can book a call with me if you'd like to discuss your next project. The show is available on all major platforms. So don't forget to hit subscribe if you'd like to be updated about future episodes. And remember, if you're not proud of your brand, then how do you expect anyone else to be?